welcome to the official Copper and Blue podcast. I believe this is episode four of season two. We're coming at you a, a day late because um, I forgot to record on Sunday. So um, it's coming out on a Tuesday afternoon rather than a Monday. But hey, it's game day today. We're playing the Anaheim Ducks tonight. If you're listening to this on the first day and the Oilers are trying to stay a perfect 2-0. They um, beat the Vancouver Canucks in a shootout 3-2 last wednesday wasn't it wednesday way more complicated than it needed to be wait way, way it should have been a regu- regulation win but hey they got the two points that's all that matters in the end and uh no, no down in the stretch of things and like june or not june but like march and stuff uh, i'll start worrying about divisional points and give them away but right now i'm fine with that an opening night win they then followed that up with a, a win on a 5-2 win against the calgary flames on saturday in a little bit more of a convincing win. Connor McDavid notched a hat trick. Uh, Mike Smith looked fantastic in both games. So I want to start this off. I want to start talking about um, just how the team has performed over the course of those first two games. They've obviously got the first two wins of the season out of the way. They're a perfect 2-0. Is there anything that we should be concerned about right now, Shona? I think that one of the things I'm a little bit concerned about, not a lot, because like you said, we're only two games in, but... um, I said it on Twitter. Um, when I left, like I left to go pick my sister up from work and it was the start of the third period and they were up three, nothing. And then by the time, like, you know, 20 minutes had elapsed, they were, you know, tied. So I think that ability to stay kind of focused and like in the zone when they're, when they've got a lead, like it was obviously better in the Calgary game, but mm. I think that's something they'll have to be careful of as they, you know, continue through the season because the Oilers are notorious for not playing 60 minutes of hockey. Oh yeah. Which I really sure. feel it's is what happened case for a few years now, despite having guys like Harv McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And you know, in late in games, we used to have uh, some shutdown guys like uh, we'd have Adam Marson come in and shut those minutes down in the last five or so minutes. Um, or hell, even yeah. Chris Russell, I guess you could put out there. I don't know how much we can call him a shutdown guy. Um, but then Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones, they were, they were all right for guys for that. But with all of them leaving the team, with the exception of Chris Russell, and you now you have guys like Cody Ceci and Duncan Keith being uh, trusted to take those uh, dying minutes trying to hold on to the lead. And it uh, hasn't worked out uh, fantastically so far. Um, I know a lot of people will look oh. at the wins and be like, oh, well, the orders are winning, so it can't be that bad. But uh, yeah. I think a lot of I that know, has but to be like, on Those to... same people, like my argument is going to be those same people looked at, you know, the Oilers regular season last year and were like, well, the Oilers had a fantastic regular season, way better. We beat Winnipeg six out of nine or seven out of nine times or whatever it was. Um, there's no way they're going to give us trouble in the, the playoffs. We've got Winnipeg figured out. Right. Yeah. And then what happened? Yeah, exactly. Right? So I think it's always this. Um, I never think it's too, I think it's not too early for the others to start looking at the little things that make up their game, like the little things that they can be tweaking so that when they go down the stretch or knock on wood, if they get to the playoffs, um, they aren't, you know, scrambling to, to fix something or something, you know, where there's not this glaring um, deficiency, like, you know, if we can't score 10 or if we can't score four or five goals, we can't win a hockey game, you know, mm-hmm. um, that we had last year. So I just think that, I don't know if it's a, a thing I'd be super worried about, but it is something for them to be looking at and being like, okay, like, how do we deploy what we've got on this team? It's not, not what we'd like, you know, as 
spoilers fans always do. But how do we deploy what we've got to maximize the potential that we don't give up a lead? Because I mean, yeah. giving up a, a three goal lead in one period is a little bit ridiculous. You know, that's some well, two goal vintage lead. Oilers nonsense. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it was a two goal lead, oh, no, not so three. Right. They, so two. they were only up two. Slightly, slightly still less, some vintage. Still bad, yeah. Um, for sure. And you know, you some vintage Oilers nonsense. Um, yeah, this is the time of year to really get that stuff sorted out. And uh, you know, I can give it a pass for now. If you get the win, sure. That's all right. Um, but as I was saying, um, I think a lot of that can be pinned on, on Mike Smith playing out of his mind to start the season, which I don't think a lot, maybe some people thought that would happen, but I, I think it's kind of a surprise to me that he's continuing, continuing that high level of play right out of the gate. Um, but they started the season against two teams in their division that they're supposed to be a lot better than, especially the Canucks and Calgary. Um, but in those games, I believe they let up upwards of 35 shots in both of them. I know the Calgary game was 47 shots against, which is just not good. You cannot let up that many shots every game and expect to win it. You know, maybe you'll win a few because you got Connor McDavid being Connor McDavid and Mike Smith playing uh, like prime Mike Smith. But, uh, if that's going to be the case going down the stretch here, it's going to be a very difficult season for the Oilers. So I think a lot of people are looking at the results of the final results of those, of those games and giving our defensive group a pass, but they're not playing as good as maybe a lot of people thought they were going to be. Um, I know I didn't expect them, but well, you know, Ken Holland saying, well, we improved our defense. I don't think that's the case so far. Well, no, I think, um, Obviously, Ken Holland is not a reliable narrator. Um, uh, I I think that from anyone who's looking at it from outside the Oilers um, group, like the little bubble, um, like the idea that we improved the defense is is just absolutely uh, ridiculous. Um, No one that I know is saying, oh, the Oilers defense is better than it was. Mm, I've Um, seen a few on Twitter. I've had some arguments of a few on Twitter. That goes in with like Ken Holland for me, because, um, you know, there are people that desperately need this team to know what they're doing, um, you know, and I don't just, I don't blame them for desperately needing the team to know what they're doing, but I stopped drinking the Oilers Kool-Aid a long time ago, so I'm not going to give them a pass. I don't think that this defensive group is stronger in any way, and I think that you'll see that um, quite a bit as we go through the, this, the season that this and is, uh, defensive group is weaker and this defensive group is, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's not the, less... usual, the usual suspects here. Like you'd expect if, you, if you've been listening to this podcast, you'd expect this is the part where I'm just like, well, Duncan Keith and Cody Cece have been absolutely worse and the most terrible pairing in the world. I don't, I don't think that's the case, actually. I think they haven't been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be praising them at all. I watched... I watched I watched Pedersen walk around Barry in the yeah. overtime. So I mean, that, that's what I I'm saying. I'm talking that that first pairing doesn't look good this year. I think they've been the worst pairing through the first two games, and the best pairing has been um, Evan Bouchard and, and Slater Cuckoo. I think those two perform better than when Chris Russell was in Cuckoo's spot. Um, so I think. Yeah, I, like I, I've said on Twitter that I'm not a big fan of uh, Duncan Keith as a person, but his play hasn't been maybe as catastrophic as some predicted, but it hasn't been great. And, you know, uh, Cody Cece is a guy that I, I can uh, give him. 
I can give Cody CC a break. Um, I've, I'll give him a chance, right? He had a good assist on that pulley every goal, but he hasn't been fantastic in his own end as well. So, you know, but that, that top line of Barry and nurse has been an absolute train. Wreck I, um, I think that um, one, Anyone who's been watching Nurse's development and who's familiar with Tyson Berry knew that they were going to be a train wreck in their own end. Nurse mm -hmm. was not good in his own end last year, which is yeah. why so many people um, are really upset about the contract signed this summer. Um, yeah. And then I think Barry's never been good in his own end. So does it surprise me that it's an absolute um, dumpster fire? No. Yeah. I mean, I think um, you're kinder than I am because I think for what Keith and Cece are getting paid, oh, yeah. they need to perform better. Um, that that the top four defensive group is a huge part of the Oilers' cap right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, outside the usual, you know, Hyman, Dreisaitl, um, McDavid suspects, like that's a huge part. That's a huge cap hit that they're taking on those four. And I don't think any of them have justified that their cap hit in this, these first two games, like here's hoping that they go out and have a freaking fantastic game. I'm trying not to swear. Cause you know, Jeff censored me in, 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 in <laughs> written form. So um, like, let's hope they have a fantastic game against Anaheim. Yeah. And they just find a rhythm and go because yeah, that's they, what the Oilers need. They have a chance to work on but things. I'm not counting before, on it. Yeah. They, yeah, I'm not really counting on. Oh, here's either, the part where I shit on Duncan. If maybe if he'd come to camp a little sooner, we'd be a little <laughs> farther. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a little bit, but uh, um, so let's just talk about some positive things. We started this off on a negative tone. And I'm sure people who hate listen to us are already like, "Oh, here they go again." Um, but hey, it's not all bad. Why I are really they still listening to us. I know. Well, who knows? People do it. I, I've done it a few times too to some other people I can't stand. But uh... if you hate listening to this podcast, there are better things you could be doing with your time. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really liked a few of our forwards up front that aren't the, the Car McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl's. Um, of course, Lee, uh, Jesse Puliarvi. I've been hyping him up for years. I've been on Twitter for years saying he'd be the perfect winger for McDavid. And oh, look at that. He has scored in his first two games. Has looked like a fantastic addition to that uh, uh, that top line. And someone who will stick there on the top line all year long. So it looks like we finally have that right winger that will be consistently deployed with McDavid. Um, I've also liked Zach Hyman in his first two games as an Edmonton Oiler. He's just been exactly as advertised. He's a spark plug on the ice. He's making plays. He, you notice him every time he's on the ice. And even though he's not paired with a Leon Dreisaitl or a Car McDavid, he's still making it work with uh, with Nugent Hopkins. So those are you know, my two bright spots on the, on the top end. Surprisingly, you know, Corey was talking about it. Too bad we don't have Corey this week. But Perlini's been living up to the hype that Corey thought he could. You know, in these mm -hmm. first two games, he's been really solid in his role. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a pleasant surprise um, because, you know, yeah, there was a whole lot of fear that he might suffer from, you know, Tyratty pre or amazing preseason, um, less than amazing season. Somewhere. Yeah, no, no. I, that's another thing I wanted to mention, too, was the the bottom six has been pretty reliable so far. Uh, I know the dip tippet is not uh, running that fourth line very often given the hard minutes to the top three lines and rolling them when it matters. Um, but Hey, I'm fine with that. Cause um, Derek Ryan, Warren Fogle, and um, Hey, even Zach Cassian in his season debut against the flames. I thought they all were, they were solid. 
They just did their well, job Cassian and did was, a fantastic Cassian job. Cassian was far better in his debut against the Flames than everything I've heard about his preseason game yeah. against the Flames. So that's, again, another, like, bonus, you know. Um, it's just consistency with Cassian. He has to keep doing it. Um, yeah, this- and uh, knock on wood that he does, um, because, again, that's a contract that the others pay too much money on for him to, uh, you know, only play part of the time when he feels like it. Mm. so you know if he can just stay dialed in where he is right now that'll be fantastic yeah so gotta be positive so you know in a way it's kind of been exactly how we all expected it to be the the the, the team is deeper at the forward at the forward level and their defensive group needs a little bit of a little bit of work to put it uh to put it lightly um but uh maybe one of the things that was unexpected was mike smith um being as great as he was he's gotten uh what was it 36 saves in the the season opener against um the vancouver canucks and they followed that up with a 45 yeah 45 save performance against the calgary flames so yeah goaltending hasn't been a problem so far but um i know me and you were talking about this before we started recording can't really let that be the the norm as the season no, goes. i on. just don't think um i think that I still think that Mike Smith will regress back to more of his career averages. And I think that the key to making sure that happens as far down the line as you can is to not let Mike Smith have to like stand on his head, you know, every time he goes out into the goal, Um, just because like, just because he is playing phenomenally doesn't mean he needs to face 45 shots, Yeah, you know, or, um, because like that's the kind of thing and even I, I have no clue why this happens but like goalies sometimes and you see it more at a junior level than an NHL level because normally they aren't facing 45 shots at an NHL level um they can be fantastic in like a performance like that where they get like lit up and you know you think about ritually sacrificing a defender just to be like appease the goalie gods appease the goalie gods <laughs> but um it seems to take a lot out of goaltenders when they have to regularly do that, or if they have to do that, you know, a lot, and then they'll have like really awful games where they're just not dialed in at all. Um, so I think that, you know, it being the other's best interest to not, you know, lean so heavily on Mike Smith's fantastic performances. Yeah, no, um, we've seen, we've seen in recent years, what happens when you run a goalie into the ground and it'll camp Talbot kind of, uh, really burnt out at the end of his tenure with the Oilers and um, you know Mike Smith's turning he's 40 yeah. years old now he can't run this guy into the ground um, I was kind of hoping we'd see Miko Koskinen get a chance against Anaheim um, but that's not the case Mike Smith will get the start against Anaheim well I believe Miko Koskinen should be a lock to play against the the Coyotes on um, I believe it's Thursday um, well, so it will be interesting to see how I, the thing is, I'm not guys. sure if Koskinen will play against the Coyotes because the Coyotes are traditionally Smith's team, right? Yeah, that's true. So, but these I are don't two, know. These are two teams that you um, like. You, I would have, I would have put money team. that Koskinen played against the Ducks and Smith played against the Yotes because of his history there. Yeah, but no, it, but apparently has, not. So, it has confirmed that it's Smith um, against the Ducks tonight. So. Yeah. Well. Well. It, okay. It, it's going to be interesting to see where they want to work Koskinen in. I think, you know, because at the end of this week, they play 
uh, the Coyotes on Thursday, and then they're in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights on Friday. So logic would dictate that, well, Koskinen's got to get into one of those games. And who would you rather have him start his season off against? The Coyotes or the Knights? Again with the logic! (laughs) The Oilers are also notorious for just playing a goalie into the ground. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I would say logically, we'd see, we logically, I would have thought that we would have seen Koskinen against the Ducks. So don't get me started about the logic. Um, (laughs) But no, you would think he should play that against the Coyotes. I just am not sure because that's, you know. Yeah. It's a back to back situation, though. So I think it's a given that Koskinen gets into one. I just think if if Tippett loves Smith, and if Smith is our starter, then he'll get the the tougher assignment against the Knights. who, despite injuries, are, are still a good team, right? Better See, than the Ducks and Coyotes Smith. by, by so quite a bit. So I, I feel like Smith might get both of the games because there's like a hometown feel to the one and it's a tougher assignment for the other. So we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. But <laughs> I, like Seattle's I think run... you will be. I'm giving – I'm, I'm not a Dave Tippett fan. Not, I giving Tippett the record. more credit than I am? Well, I'm, good for you. I, <laughs> I'm not a Dave Tippett fan. Let the record note that I am not a fan of how he deploys his roster, but I think he will do the smart thing here. The obvious thing here. That is to say on, I think last week's podcast, I also trusted him to split up McDavid and Dreisaitl. And that hasn't happened. So you know, I've been wrong in the recent past about um, Dave Tippett's uh, decisions, and um, you know, I'm sticking to my guns. Though I think he well, will. No, and I, I really do hope that he, he, I'm wrong. I just think with the sentimental attachment for the Coyotes, that it, I may not be wrong. Yeah. No, Knock on sure. wood that I am, though, guys. It, yeah, from a, from, an, from an old hockey man perspective, I guess it makes it does make sense. Um, to start Smith I don't know what old hockey team. man like for me to do old hockey man I basically have to turn my freaking brain processes inside out <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would I not do okay let's do that I, I actually kind of wanted to talk about um, how Tippett has deployed his top six because I have some quarrels with it as I think a lot of people do um, I think Connor McDavid playing with Leon Dreisaitl they're a deadly combo they're a deadly duo probably one of the best duos in the league so I don't have a probably problem one of the best. I might say they are the best right now. Yeah, yeah. Ex- In the I, last couple exactly. seasons, I don't think there's anyone better. Yeah, for sure. So that's not to say that I don't like it when Carmack McDavid plays with Leon Dreisaitl. I just don't like it when they play together all the time. I think they're a fantastic nuclear option in the third period when you're trailing by a goal or two. Sure, fine. Put them out there, load up that line, get a few goals back. But I think if you're running a team like the Oilers, you want to run McDavid and Dreisaitl so they don't... Because McDavid and Dreisaitl make each other better. But I think McDavid and Dreisaitl makes their teammates better. So you got just, you either got one line being really good or you have two lines being really good because those two players just lift everyone up when they play with them. So The thing that I find super interesting about this, putting McDavid and Dreisaitl together, is the argument against Dreisaitl's Dreisaitl's contract a couple of years ago was that Dreisaitl couldn't drive his own line. Yeah, right? but he can now, right? He can drive his own line, and everyone knows he can drive his own line. So now, you know, everyone's super happy with his contract. And now that all that he can't drive his own line, you know, whatever, 
has subsided, he's actually not getting the opportunity to drive his yeah. own line. And I just don't understand that. The timing of it is super interesting. And I, something I've noticed with Drysaddle is that when he plays with McDavid, he's looking for McDavid. He's always well, looking. Everyone who plays with McDavid's looking for McDavid. I I know I know that I understand that, but Drysaddle is not a guy who should be deferring to someone else. People should be deferring to him because he's that guy, right? He's that talented that he shouldn't be looking for someone else. He should be the guy that people are looking to get the puck to. So I think it's kind of wasting his potential there and wasting his skill when he's just basically working as someone to get the puck to McDavid all the time. Or, yeah. Or it's just, well, that was that was the argument against why you wouldn't pay him what you pay him. If he's just going to be the guy looking mm-hmm. to get the puck to McDavid all the time, why are you paying him this much money? Especially when you got, you got to go out and get a guy like Hyman who can do that. Like well, I, maybe, maybe last year I could give you a pass because there wasn't really – a solid option to replace um, someone on the left wing next to McDavid. But now we have Hyman there that can come in and he's proven to be very good with Nugent Hopkins. I bet he'll be even better with Connor McDavid, right? Well, they looked, um, Hyman's looked really good with a lot of the Oilers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that won't be the problem. I think that for whatever reason, um, Dave Tippett's thought process on the subject is definitely your issue. Um, I agree, Preston. I think it's a little bit too early in the season to be deploying the phenomenal or $20 million line, you know, um, that, you know, limits the efficacy of the other lines. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not, you're not carrying a bunch of injuries. You're not, um, we're not in a desperate situation either. Yeah, you're not, you know, two points out of the, uh, you know, eighth place for the playoffs. You're not anything. You were just playing them together. And it's not even a lack of talented people to play either of them with. Yeah, right? People are like going on and on about the Oilers' depth and how fantastic their depth has looked. Man, imagine if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were on their separate lines. The depth would be even greater. So... I don't know. It just feels like they're wasting Drysaddle's like immense talent. Like he's a top five player in this league. He should be helping his teammates get better, not playing off his other top five teammate in the league, right? So ah, it's just well, weird. I don't understand it that that that's a full time line. I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting um, decision to make, and I would it would be interesting to see if Tippett would actually. Um, what am I trying to say? Like if Tippett would actually explain, um, legitimately explain mm-hmm. to the media, um, what's, what's his thought process here? Yeah. But I've, I've, heard, won't. I've heard people, I've gone to arguments on Twitter with some people about this. You have. Stop arguing on uh, Twitter. I, know. I should probably stop that, but, uh, um, and I've heard some people say, well, Tippett's going to split them up when they play on the road. That's going to be his plan. And but that's the thing is... I don't get don't, that, though. But here's the thing is you don't... Well, Tippett puts the lines in a blender all the time, so maybe Dave Tippett doesn't realize. But if you don't let them play with their lines, they won't build chemistry. That's what I was saying. I was just like, well, okay, what's the logic in playing different Tippet lines logic. on the road and home? It just sounds like a good idea. It sounds like a good way to to screw up the chemistry of everything and not have anyone have established line mates. And once you get to the playoffs, 
whoa, they're playing against people with established chemistry and we're going to get swept again. So Tippett doesn't like. Yeah, I just like, don't understand. Tippett likes everyone on their toes or whatever the hell that was um, <laughs> from last year, you know? Um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm happy that well, Oilers are 2-0. Interesting. I'm happy that Oilers are 2-0. I just I have I have some questions about how they're gonna to with how they're being deployed with how they're gonna keep it. Um, I think I I'm maintain like you, it. I'm happy that they're doing well, but I think that I have some concerns about how they sustain that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's no uh, I haven't seen enough evidence of like critical analysis of how those games went. I mean, I I was really happy with the Calgary game that we didn't you know. Well, stop what? playing hockey yeah. for a bit. I was like, excellent. Um, we learned not to stop playing hockey. This is a lesson that we've struggled to learn in other oh years. Oh God, I know. So, uh, um, great. I'm really three happy. Straight, three straight playoffs we've had where we've blown leads in the third period. I think I remember when we played Chicago, we blew a lead with what was it? Um, like two minutes left. We let in two goals and let Chicago win. Um, and then of course the notorious Jets collapse last playoffs. And then um, if you really want to. Uh, revisit painful memories the, the Anaheim Ducks um, implosion where Ryan Kessler got away with a little bit of interference but this is a team that needs to learn how to play 60 minutes and so far I've seen two games against lesser teams that they shouldn't be allowing like almost 40 plus shots a night right it's this got to be fixed now fix it now while you're winning so when <laughs> you face the tougher teams, you don't get blown out of the water. And when you get to the playoffs, it won't be a problem, right? Yeah, um, yeah. that would be nice. That, that would be, be nice. very nice. Um, yeah, uh, I also want to talk about the Oilers special teams. Um, I thought their power play, everyone expected this to be a team that um, challenges for the NHL record for power play percentage. I think they've shown just that. I, I cannot tell you how happy I am to see the Oilers power play go out on the ice and I don't see goddamn Alex Chason on the ice. I am well, so that's because happy. Alex Chason is in somebody else's colors now. I am immensely Vancouver's? happy. I think though. he's in Vancouver's colors now. Oh yeah, he's on Vancouver, but and he's playing on their power play because I don't know why. Because we have Zach Hyman and uh, Jesse Puliarvi now, and it's just such a breath of fresh air to love everyone on the power play finally. Um, yeah, I think the power play has been good. Um, even the penalty kill too. I think that um, what is it? The thing that they're saying about Keith is I for, is true for me for the power play. I'd like to see if them get a few more games to make sure that the power play is not like a, a flash in the pan because they've gone on power play hot streaks before, and then like you know you'll go and there'll be like three games where the power play is complete and like you know yeah. For sure. Utter but, awfully awful. Um, this is me not swearing um that much. Um, you know, like it's just dog shit for lack of a better term. And yeah, and I'm just like waiting to see. I think for me, the cynical oilers found that I am the the first time their power play hits the skids, what they do to course correct will be the biggest tell for me yeah. on that special teams. Like, do they just you know, try to force the thing that was working before to work, or do they actually go in and fix it? You know, fix whatever issues causing their power play. You know, I, I just if you're like the, the options they have now, because it's yeah. Um, oh, I like the options they have to yeah. fix it, or like to fix things if they're not working. I like the options they have to deploy. I just think that um, 
sorry. Options don't mean anything if you're not using them, right? Mm -hmm. So if they use the same power play, no matter what, you know, even if it stops working, then I'll be slightly more disappointed because yeah. one is power play percentage will go down if, if, you know, I, if you don't adjust for who this year, though, I, I think it's just so cohesive this year and everyone mm -hmm. on the, on the power play is just so good at what they do. Like I know they've been um, kind of mixing in, um, Zach Hyman and, and Puliarvi on, on every second shift, right on the power play. And it just feels like a, a group that you can put on the ice in with a man advantage situation. And it doesn't matter how they've been playing in that game or who they're against. They can, they have the chance to score, right? Is it, they just seem that good this year. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens down the road in the year, whether or not Tyson Berry stays on there. Because I believe um, Evan Bouchard is poised to take over that first power play from Tyson Berry at some point this year, and um, I think that would require Tibbet to assess his defenseman better than he has. But that's true. Um, um, I think, um, like like you're saying, I think um, they've got some excellent pieces on their power play. But again, I, I still think yeah, you know, don't if, want to get ahead if, of ourselves. If you get up against a really good team and, and Barry becomes a liability on your power play, do you switch him out for Bouchard? You know, yeah. or is um, it going to be nurse, team, right? Yeah. If you've got a team that's, you know, you're playing a team that if they get the puck, you know, their ability to go or, you know, to push into your end and you have to back check, you know, is your power play able to do that? You know, recover the puck quickly and send it back up the ice with a, a good zone exit and a good zone yeah. entry. You know, those are things that are technically important that this power play as phenomenal as it has been, hasn't had to like show yeah. over a sustained amount of time because the pressure hasn't been there. You yeah. know, that Calgary team is not, and it is not a, it's a big team. It's a strong team, but it's not particularly a quick team. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to take the puck off Connor McDavid and push it up the ice. You know, Vancouver has some really quick players. You know, Patterson is fantastic, you know. Um, but, um, again, they don't have that ability to put sustained pressure on the power play in our offensive zone. So, they, you know, they can't – they're not going to push the power play around. But some of the teams that they're going to play, you know, the Washingtons and those kind of teams have the ability to, like – kind of try to push McDavid and Dreisaitl, Pujarvi, Hyman out to the, the edges of the ice mm -hmm. and strip the puck and send it back up. Yeah. What, now, now, what do the Oilers do with that? Now that you mention it, I do remember a few times where, because the, the, the typical regroup formation that the Oilers have been running for, I think about like two years now, two seasons, is um, a defenseman picks up the puck, goes up about to center ice, and then drops it back for McDavid, who's in full flight. I did see a couple of times, I don't know, it's probably just early season rust where uh, Tyson Berry tried to do that and completely fluffed it right around McDavid and uh, kind of threw things out of whack. So if they can get a little bit of that cleared up. and, well, uh, and I, I think if they could have a, another type of zone entry that wasn't yeah, that, so switch everybody it up. doesn't need, because part of their problem is that teams are going to figure the them out. It's not going to stay amazing if it gets predictable. Yeah. So they need some options. So and I think, I think um, having McDavid be that one-timer option, not always being dry is another uh, fantastic option that they've got going there for a mix up. Right. Okay. So um, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, they're exciting unit to watch and I'm, I'm excited to see how they progress throughout the season and whether they um, do 
mix it up with the, with the options that they have and, and change up some of the formations as well. Um, and then even on the penalty kill, I don't think they've been fantastic. Don't think they've been the greatest penalty killing team in the whole world or the whole league, but I think they've been pretty solid. I actually really love the, the idea of putting Zach Hyman with Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the penalty kill. Those are two guys that are, are hard workers and they, they win puck races. And um, I think they're the perfect duo to put on there. And even Kyler Yamamoto as well. Um, as poor as his first two two games have been, I think he's done fantastic on the side. I, yeah, I like the penalty kill. I worry a little bit. I worry uh, about the defenseman. Yes, on your penalty kill. Um, I also worry about um, people like Hyman, if you're de- deploying them on all the special teams, like we have, you have to be careful how much um, you're relying on them, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want, if Hyman were to get hurt, um, yeah. I don't want it to, pooch um the power play the penalty kill and one of the the driving lines of the team right um so i think i would like like i like him on it i think he's been solid i think he's just been all around solid which is why leafs fans are so salty he's salty on michael Twitter. bunting is better than hyman don't you know i uh twitter told me <laughs> um a twitter also told people this week that zach hyman was a children's book author yeah, I, 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 was were, like, I know you were. I, I know I've heard that from you this summer, so uh, I already knew that going in. I don't think I knew yeah. that he was part of a gaming company, though. I did that not was know new. that either. That was new. He, he um, seems to be quite the uh, unstereotypical hockey jock, so uh, good for him. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a super good guy, and I'm so glad that he's Edmonton Oilers. Contract is a bit big, but hey, he's a, he's a cool guy. Um, I, I like having him on my team. Um, I was just thinking as we we're talking about this, this is such a, a Dave Tippett team because just, just think about the forwards we have and how many of them can penalty kill. We got Nugent Hopkins, dry settle up points has done it. Uh, Zach Hyman, Kyler Yamamoto. Dry settle needs to work Ryan, on his penalty kill. Derek Ryan, Warren Fogel, Devin Shore. <laughs> probably Devin missing Shore. one or two. We have like five penalty killing forwards or you know yeah, okay you fine up. you've got five penalty killing forwards but Devin Shore that's all he does I know that's the thing <laughs> but hey he oh, does it so that's why I'm saying it's a Dave Tippett built team Dave Tippett has well, a fetish for penalty killers Tippett and built team because Ken Holland's <laughs> been buying Dave Tippett whatever Dave Tippett asks for uh it's, I just find it funny that's funny I didn't even think about it like that until now we have so many penalty killers um just be All glad right. that some of those can transition over to uh, power play guys too, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think you're, not, Hopkins has played power play for the Oilers. Hyman is on the power play. Yeah. Drysaddle yeah. can be on the power play, you know. Now, I, I think we should even give Puliarvi a look on the penalty kill. I honestly think he'd be pretty good at it. Well, he'd try real hard. I think um, yeah. that's I think the kind of thing you, you try out in the, the game against, like, mm-hmm. Anaheim. Yotes. Or the Yotes. Yeah. Someone like that. So just a lowly know. team. Um, well, okay. One, as an Oilers fan, don't be calling anyone else a lowly team. <laughs> been a lowly team. Uh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I so, say, I say it you, out, out try, of You try against a team with less offensive threats. Let's yeah. just say that. Um, okay. Okay. See how it works, right? Yeah. That's the, that, that's our, it'll be interesting. I want to see some more creativity um, from Dave Tippett. Probably won't. Probably won't see it, but uh, I would like to see it. I think that's going to do it for our main topics of, of this week's podcast. Um, 
I guess oh, we'll end it on. off. We'll end it off with, you can end it off with my topic. Oh, what was your topic again? I, my topic I, was Prokof. The Edmonton Oil Kings traded with the hitman. That is right. I was, I don't follow the WHL bus. Super pumped that we got a guy like uh, Prokop in, in Edmonton playing for the Oil Kings. I think it's uh, interesting because they also traded out other defensemen before the end of the weekend. So uh, if you're watching WHL, um, it looks like the Oil Kings are building themselves a Memorial Cup contender. Oh, okay. I'd so like if that. St. Louis, if St. Louis would just give Jake Neighbors back, um, <laughs> just give him back. Was Gun- Gunther was is sent back. Gunther right? was with the Coyotes. He's back. Okay. Um, yes. Lipin was with the Hawks. He's back. Casa uh, was with the Red Wings. Yeah. He's back. Um, oh man, they got some star-studded guys on there. Yeah. Well, they have three first-round picks. Yeah. Um, if St. Louis would just give Jake Neighbors back, we'd have them all back. Just give him back. Being I know little, you want to keep him for mine, but just give him back. <laughs> being a little bit selfish, but uh, I I support it. I support. And then it. you know Prokof, who they just traded for, is a third round pick um, to With Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. Um, and obviously one of the few defensemen. He's a 19 year old, so you know, um, used and, to play uh, in Calgary, which is why the trade was funny to me because the Hitmen and the Oil Kings trade about as often as the Oilers and the Flames do. Um. So it is an interesting trade in that uh, it you know one it signals that they they traded they traded four four pieces to get Prokof so it obviously signals that they're um, going serious for it. about thinking that they're going to be a Memorial Cup contender. So. Yeah, and also important to say that that's uh, the only openly uh, gay uh, NHL drafted player. Um, yeah. So though so watching his uh, little clips, this uh, like welcome to the team clips. I'm pretty sure he's tired of being asked that question. Yeah, no, I, I would probably. Be <laughs> I'm a hundred percent sure he's tired of being asked that question. Yeah, but, but I think uh, it's um, it'll be important for uh, you know, there to be except. And he said that there's you know been nothing but acceptance in um, both Calgary's locker room and Edmonton's locker room for him. So that's fantastic. But it's, it's nice to have a, a someone, an openly gay player, um, be that um, that that uh, what was the word role model role model for you know, kids out there who, who might, well, I mean, he, he started, they played on Friday and Sunday and Sunday, the game was horrible, but on Friday he scored two goals in his oil Kings debut. So obviously he's not missing a step in transferring teams. So that's pretty exciting. Um, That is exciting. I, I, I've got to get, I've lived in Edmonton for, I think four years now and I've only been to like a handful of oil Kings games. Man, I gotta go. I gotta go to more of them. There's such good hockey. You tell me when you want to come. Well, <laughs> it's, you tell me when you want to come. it's you fantastic hockey. Um, and and I remember watching the the Memorial Cup winning team with Griffin Reinhardt. Uh, what was that? 2014? 2014. They won. 20... Yeah, 2014. Watching their run, it was just so much fun. Um, and I was watching that online. I wasn't even in the city, and it was a whole lot of oh, fun to watch. It so. was a fantastic run to be in the city for. Mm-hmm. Fantastic run to be in the buildings for. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you're an Oilers fan, hey, give the Oil Kings some love. They look like an absolutely loaded squad this year. So I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to end this off with some predictions for the for the week. So the Oilers, let me just pull up their schedule here. They have one, two. Three. You know they have the Ducks. We have the Ducks. You know they have the Coyotes, and we have the Golden Knights. They're all road games. No, the one against the Ducks is a home game, and then they go on the road to Arizona and vegas so what we what we feel in here what are you thinking they're gonna go here 
I think they'll win two and they might lose one in overtime. Okay, yeah, you gotta give me five points. Um, they win the ducks, they win the yotes, they lose the knights in overtime. I feel like my prediction that is, is really optimistic for me, guys. So let's just leave it there. This is the most optimistic week prediction I, I've ever turned in, Preston. I, I do this all the time. And, you know, sometimes it's for the memes and to be funny. But, you know, the Knights are dealing with some pretty gnarly injuries. And if if the others are healthy when they go into Vegas, I think this could be a nice I, I, I think this could be a perfect weekend. I, I think I, Vegas is a hard Coyotes. city for teams to play in. Yeah, so. no, that's true. But the, so, the Vegas has been kind of struggling, if I if I'm not been, mistaken. But they're a hard city to play in, so I'm gonna give the Oilers a little wiggle room. Hopefully, they surprise me as well. I, I'm Tip gonna it. go two <laughs> surprise me. Two regulation wins. They beat the Ducks. They beat the Coyotes in regulation. They're gonna have to go to overtime to beat the Golden Knights, though. That's All my right, uh, so prediction. We've basically agreed on the first two games. Agreed that everyone's getting a point in the last game. Yes but disagree on who's getting the single point. Yes. Got it. Yes. So I, you have the Oilers going, uh, getting a record of four Oh and one. I think they're a perfect five and Oh, no problem. Oh. No problem about it. So Oilers don't take this as a dare. Don't no, go don't listen to out against the ducks or the, the yotes. Now, if, if Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisel, or any member of the Edmonton Oilers are listening to this, we think you're going to lose every game. You're not the, uh, you're, you're the underdog here. Okay. Cause every time they are, the favorite to win anything, they lose it in spectac- spectacular fashion. So well, like they're never my favorite to win anything, so don't worry about it. Bro. I don't care if the Oilers win the President's, President's Trophy this year. I am not predicting them to win the first round series again. Not doing it again. <laughs> they're losing just so they can prove me wrong, okay? Fair, All right. fair. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at NHL Hodgkinson, and then you can follow uh, Shona at SDH0809. 0809, yeah. Yes, we'll all right. Follow Shona. She's going on vacation for two weeks. <laughs> follow Preston and annoy yeah. him for a bit. Follow me, to, and if you ever He wants to with fight him, with you on Twitter, and I want you all to just fuck off. <laughs> Damn it! I will, I will get into an argument with you, and... Um, yeah, I'll just I'll be your punching bag for a little bit. All right, that's gonna do it for I this episode. Real close to not swearing this episode. Very close, almost, almost. We'll talk next to you guys time. next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye.